What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of post-game Locked On Bucks. The Bucks are back on the winners list. What a relief that is. Giannis was relieved after the game. We're relieved here on this show that we get to talk about a new winning streak that has just tipped off. The Bucks do what they do. If they wanted to break a losing streak, all they had to do was tee up a meeting with the Detroit Pistons. That's 15 wins in a row against the Pistons. So we're going to break it all down. And unfortunately, as there is every single night, some more unfortunate injury or health news. We'll get to that as well as we get going. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and find my work over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me, as always, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As I mentioned, the Bucks beat the Pistons. Uh, they win with a final of 117 to 89. We'll break it all down here in a second. As always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, over now on YouTube, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, get over there and do that and uh, at least hit that subscribe button. We would absolutely appreciate that. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it, Frank, and I am loving the Bucks winning a game of basketball. It's funny how quickly you think that the Bucks are in a bit of a rut. Uh, can they overcome uh, this this injury struggles that they've got again tonight? Giannis, the only one of the preseason projected starters that was out on the court. And you mentioned it on a podcast that we did last week when the Bucks beat the Pacers and the Spurs in those back-to-back games on the road. Uh, it was almost like, oh, wow, this team actually can win with all these players out of the lineup. I forgot that they could win without all these players out of the lineup. So admittedly, it felt like men against boys tonight against the Detroit Pistons. They're obviously a super young team. It was an easy night for the Bucks, but it still feels good to get back on the winner's list. Back at 500, back in the hunt for the playing tournament. Well, when you don't make shots and you know you don't you know you don't make open threes and you don't have you know the same size and creation that you normally have without Chris, without Drew, without you know Brooke Lopez being able, obviously Brooke can can shoot threes too, but I mean he's obviously a part of what the Bucks like to do inside on both ends. So you know your margin of error is just a lot lower, and when you shoot was it three straight games under thirty percent? I mean you know you're you're just not giving yourself. Well, heck of a lot of chance, especially because defensively, I mean, I thought they held up. I thought they've held up actually like reasonably well defensively of late. Um, after tonight's game, they're 13th in offense and defense, which, you know, in the grand scheme of how they've been playing feels okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's remarkable what making open threes and making some not open threes as well, you know, will do for you versus the Pistons who, you know, stink, um, played also, I would say, a bad game even by their standards. I mean, you know, they shot 17% from three. Um, I think even the Bucks didn't get to, didn't get down to 17% here uh, in terms of three-point shooting. So 
Um, yeah, this was a, you know, just with the doctor ordered type of game, especially, um, you know, coming on the heels of, of finding out that Chris Middleton, 24 hours after being told that he did not have a COVID-related illness, turns out, unfortunately, he does have a COVID-related illness. So, you know, the hits just kind of keep on coming in terms of the injury news. Um, but thankfully tonight, you know, um, it was, uh, you know, right now this Bucks offense in particular, I mean, it's Giannis in a cloud of dust. And, um, you know, I, I made the joke to our, our friend Rami Makaloff um, from the fan earlier today, you know, it's, it's going to be Giannis in a cloud of dust and you're going to need the cloud of dust to hit some open threes. And obviously they hadn't been doing that previously tonight. They did. And, you know, Giannis was kind of in his element with, uh, three triples, 26 point, what, 28 points in 26 minutes, block four shots, nine assists. Um, he just looked kind of in MVP control mode and knocked down some jumpers, including both the, the threes as well, some mid-range stuff. So, um, you know, I thought he took what the Pistons gave him and uh, obviously his teammates uh, kind of followed his lead and, and hit a bunch of shots for a change. Yeah, they certainly did. And we look, we always start with Giannis, but when he has a night like tonight, uh, 28 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, it didn't feel entirely fair. And I'll say this, I've seen some some takes being thrown out there about Cade Cunningham. Can we can we stop? He was playing in his second game. He's had an ankle injury. And 30 seconds or one minute, whatever it was into this game, he had the freight train of Giannis steaming at him to the basket for an and one. So just give this kid a chance. Can we please do that? Uh, that's all I would ask for, for anyone talking shit about Kate Cunningham. But Giannis in this one, this felt like the perfect game for him to feel good about himself again. He actually revealed in the post-game uh, media conference that he that, that knee that was hurting him against Utah, he actually asked the medical staff, the oh, sorry, the medical staff mentioned to him that perhaps you shouldn't go back on the court. And he's like, I'm going back on. And again, people might read different things into that, but... I think what we understand is that the the knee injury isn't necessarily going to get worse, but that certainly felt like the medical staff from the outside felt like them saying, look, no one's playing this game. We're losing by almost double digits. We're probably not going to win. We know you can't hold yourself back. Uh, Maybe just rest this second half. Giannis said after the game, it's not the time for that. It's not the time for that. And I did see some sentiment from Bucks fans saying, okay, you're playing the Pistons. He was listed on the injury report as probable with the knee. And maybe he should he just shouldn't play. But I kind of understand why they would want him to play. Obviously, he has to be healthy enough to produce. He was. He did that. He'll play through injuries. I think he's proven that he can do that. But I spoke on the pod yesterday about the fact that it's going to get tough for the Bucs, particularly if these guys don't come back. Chris Milton is going to have an extended period on the sideline here, you would believe. I mentioned the uh, I mentioned the White House visit. Looks like he probably won't be there, depending on what, on what happens there, which is a shame for him if he was interested in doing that. But this was important that the Bucks just made sure they got this game because you you just don't want anything going wrong. And if you take Giannis out of this game, then it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Maybe they lose. So I was glad that he played just to make sure that they at least pick up this win here because it's going to be, um, you know, they're going to be working uphill for the next couple of weeks, you'd have to assume. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, I think if you're going to strategically rest them, rest them against the really good teams. Yes, yeah, honestly, yeah. with when he's the only starter even available, like the Jazz game, I think if you were going to rest him for one or two games, you know, rest him against the Jazz, just because the Spurs game should have been a, an easier game to win. But obviously it goes both games. And I I was actually, I mean, I, I I don't know if you recall as well, but I mean, it looked like he felt his knee twinge when he was at the free throw line. He was going through his free throw routine and like 
stopped himself and like seemed to like grab at his left knee. And it's just like, oh God, he's like randomly feeling pain when he's about to take a free throw. I mean, you know, it reminded me a little bit of that pregame. You guys might remember Mm -hmm. in Portland, the night he scores 47 points and in the pregame, he seemed to feel his knee tweak when he just like almost like pivoted. Like it wasn't even like really doing anything. It wasn't like going up for a dunk or something like that. Um, And of course he, you know, ends up playing that night, having this amazing game. And then I think he, wasn't he like out like for 10 or 14 days after that game? Um, Just drops 48 and then, then gives himself a week off, you know, one last half. It's just, you know, you you just don't really know how it's going to be. And so I was honestly, I mean, I I tweeted about it. Like I was already sort of like in my head thinking like, all right, he's listed as probable these last couple days with the knee injury. Um, At what point does it go? Oh, Giannis is out tonight, you know, and, and then is he going to miss like a week to kind of just rest up his knee or something like that? So, I mean, that's the, that's the great irony of this start of the season with all the injuries is that, you know, we started the, the preseason, we started the training camp with Giannis being the big question mark in terms of injury because he wasn't, wasn't practicing. And it was like, oh, that, that need that he, you know, almost destroyed against Atlantis and miraculously played through seems to be still bothering him, which obviously is concerning. But then, you know, he ends up coming back, obviously, midway through the preseason. And now he's the last man standing, ironically, out of all the starters, everybody else with, you know, all the other various ailments. Um, obviously, um, you know, Dante, we knew was going to be out. But uh, obviously, Chris, with the COVID issue now, um, just who knows, right? I mean, we saw what happened. We saw what happened the last time the Bucks lost one of their big three to to COVID last year with Drew Holiday. And, you know, that was when they, I think they won the game in Denver where Chris and Giannis played great. And then they had a five-game losing streak. And it felt like, oh man, like what's, you know, these guys are not deep. How are they going to manage manage this? So yeah, I mean, normally it's just like, oh, hum, beat Detroit. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But I agree. I mean, it was like, oh, good. You know, <laughs> take care of business. Like you got you to gotta win some of these games that are there for the taking because again, you know, like, a losing streak is, you know, a longer losing streak is, is certainly on the table when you just, you just don't have the guys you're used to having at your disposal. And, you know, again, it, you know, we talk about like next man up, but it's like when it's next five men up, like it, that's very different. Right. And I mean, you've talked about it. Like we're not talking about subbing in one guy who's not normally in the rotation. Like we've got half the rotation are guys that may not normally be playing when the bucks are at full strength. And, you know, you hope that there's some upsides to that later in the season and that you've kind of given these guys reps and gotten some familiarity and you've tried some different things. And we saw, you know, you guys talked about it, the blitzing that the NASA's was doing and pick and rolls on Sunday. We saw a little bit of that tonight. We saw a ton of switching tonight and the Pistons just could not or had just no clue of how to take advantage of getting one of their big guys switched on to like Justin Robinson or George Hill or one of the small guys. And, um, you know, credit the Bucks, Like they fought and I thought they were – you know, they executed their game plan well and those Pistons are just not very good and <laughs> they really couldn't take advantage. But but yeah, I mean, just important to kind of rack up these these guinea wins and, you know, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts, but the, the Bucks' dominance of the Central Division, we thought maybe it would get snapped in, in Indiana. Um, and for all their struggles and injury issues, they, they continue to rack up wins here against the Central Division. Yeah, the Bulls are looming large. But but look, I think you're right. I actually had this discussion with Justin after we finished recording yesterday, and it's it's probably a topic for another day, but I, I just wondered to myself whether this Brook Lopez situation, we've seen him have back soreness a number of times over the last couple of years, whether Milwaukee 
strategically are just like, and I'm not saying that he didn't have an injury, like clearly he's sore, but I just wonder if they're like, okay, let's try and take advantage of this right now, get you right and make sure that we can press ahead in the season. And if I had to put my my prediction hat on here and guess what might happen, I actually thought to myself, similar to you, that Giannis, there's going to be a period where he's going to miss a stretch of games. And I thought if the Bucks could get Drew Holiday back in the lineup and then Chris Middleton, who was sort of playing, then that might be the time where they're like, okay, let, let, let's see if we can get Giannis some rest here. They might have to wait till Brooke Lopez comes back. But now that Chris Milton is out for not an injury, but a health thing, again, it's like, okay, well, maybe we just need to push through this. But I have no doubt that he's going to have a rest at some stage there. Uh, there was, there was a, a more interesting thing, particularly Giannis defensively. You sent a DM uh, to our group, which I, I think is a fascinating topic when it comes to Giannis defending at the five. He spoke about it after the game. So we can get into that. In a little bit, I just want to mention uh, McDonald's, which has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi, something that I don't have here in Australia, and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. I also don't have endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries, to be fair. So win or lose, it's a place... They can't, they can't, send, you, they can't send you those in the mail, unfortunately. You know, like we need to, we need to get some... Some dry ice, ship cans, and McFlurries uh, in this apartment here. Well, I actually had a disappointing uh, discovery last night. I I don't know what happened, but I guess one of my drawers in the freezer was like just slightly open still, and so I didn't really realize that my freezer was open all day. So, ah, uh, just terribly wasteful. So even if they sent me some fries, I probably wouldn't even bother. I'll probably just mess it up anyway. But. Anyway, back to McDonald's. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did someone say locked on bucks watch party? Uh, I, I heard uh, I heard someone mention the other day, it might have been Justin. So someone said that they had a friend who actually used to do a podcast live at McDonald's because of the reliable Wi-Fi, which is you know, interesting. I might try it one day if things are really going terribly uh, here for me. But anyway, that's McDonald's. I'm loving it. Like I said, loving McDonald's, loving the Bucks winning. Go to McDonald's. Yeah, we, we, I need a, I, my, I, we normally podcast after my daughter's been put to bed, but we may need to bring her in. Well, she oh. can't read because she's three, but, but, you know, maybe a testimonial because she had, she had, uh, well, you we, went on we a road trip, right? Yeah. We were, we road trip to Houston. And so we, we got, actually, we did not get McDonald's on the way out. Although my wife had a stop at Starbucks and there was McDonald's across the street. My daughter and I were sitting in the car and, um, my daughter, I don't know if my daughter actually saw golden arches, but she was just like, Maybe we could eat lunch at McDonald's. And then my wife came back from uh, from getting her coffee, and she was like, "No, we're gonna just drive drive to Houston." We're like, "Oh." And in, in my head, I'm kind of thinking like, "Wow, you know, I'm not a coffee person." Like Tilly and I sitting in the car, minding our own business. This, you know, pets. So, so you know, this, this, this is this is this And then we're not getting any. We're not getting anything for it. Like we just gotta sit there and take it while she's getting her coffee. Family road trip. That's uh, that's selfish behavior. As someone that's been labeled a selfish reporter, I can uh, can absolutely relate. You mentioned in the DM, Frank, about Giannis and perhaps the comfort level, or you know, just adjusting to playing the five. Because I think when we've seen Giannis play the five in previous years, we've generally associated with switchable lineups uh, that that Giannis might be switching a lot. And you did point to the fact that they did a little bit of that tonight, but we've also seen uh, plays where he's the guy that is defending the rim and the opposition's running pick and roll and he's back and back and he's like, okay, where do I position myself here? Where do I go for the shot block? 
they didn't all come in those types of scenarios tonight, but he had four block shots. One of, I don't know where this ranks in terms of just ridiculous shot blocks, but the one on Sadiq Bay, where Sadiq Bay was dribbling down the right side of the floor, cut to the left, tried to use the rim for a reverse layup. Giannis jumped and it was a pretty nice move from Sadiq Bay to like go to the reverse. And it's like, okay, he's probably got him beat here. Instead, Giannis just like tucks his hand under the rim around and just goes, I'm just going ba- to backhand swat this off the glass and, and away they went. It was just absurd. I didn't even catch how he did it live, but I remember thinking, how did he get to that? And the slow-mo replay was awesome. But what have you noticed from him defending the five? After the game, when he was talking about it, his description was, it's just hard. He said, it is hard position to play. He said, I always respected Brook Lopez as it is, but man, just even this this short stretch without Brook, which they haven't had to do a lot of, he's he's gained an even greater appreciation for what Brook Lopez brings to the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the upside of well, one of many upsides for Giannis and his athleticism is I mean, he can play pretty much any type of pick and roll coverage, right? I mean, you can have him play super aggressive, you can have him come up to the screen. Um, you you could have him drop. I mean, if you practice it enough, I think he could you know, be good at that, even playing more conservative. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, Brooke Lopez conservative, right? And, um, you know, I, I, I like the term center field, which is a little bit different than a, like a typical, like a, a, you know, like what Brooke Lopez would do. I mean, Brooke does it too, but it's it's where you're up a little higher and, you know, you really are basically playing two guys at once. Like you're, you're trying to sort of take away the ball handler coming downhill, but then you're also kind of hanging back just enough that you can do what Giannis did to DeAndre Ayton in on that block shot uh, in the finals right like that to me was like kind of the definition of like the most incredible like center field type play where you're basically playing both guys right um and it's not to say brooke lopez can do this too and you know guys position themselves differently but um but you know i mean we're used to seeing Giannis mostly playing as a four right i mean his his you know if you look at like his positional usage this year it's like i think it's probably close to like actually it's got to be higher now um, but the last time I checked, it was like close to 90% center the last couple of years, like cleaning the glass would have him at like 12, 14% center. So basically it's completely inverted, you know, his positional usage. And so we're used to him, you know, oftentimes defending like a stretch four or somebody where he's, you know, oftentimes like nominally defending a guy who's like standing in the corner. And so if he's blocking shots, it's because he's helping over from, you know, the weak side. And coming in it's not that he's like you know standing there in the middle of the court waiting for guys to drive at him and then and block their shots and it's not like he's again it's not like he's just parked under the basket you know a la brooke lopez when he plays you know andre drummond or something like that um but i thought we saw tonight examples where you know whether it was because of a half court possession or, or there was some scramble or something like that i mean look when you're the biggest guy on the floor like yeah you're gonna probably be closer to the basket that's just natural that your positioning is going to be closer to the rim than he might otherwise be and you know he was guarding jeremy grant to begin with so it's not like he was playing i wouldn't even say he was like technically playing center to start the game but as the game went on um you know we saw him around the basket a lot and we need him to rebound and do all those things and you know, i think i want to say outside of that block that you're calling out i think the other three blocks all kind of just came by virtue of him sort of just kind of manning the paint and sort of defending the rim and you know maybe known better than than killian hayes driving <laughs> you know down the middle of the lane and Giannis was just waiting for him at the rim and he went up and Giannis just went, <laughs> went higher and sent his shot into, you know, whatever row it was um, out of bounds. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, it's just different. And I, I just feel like in years past when Giannis had to play center or, or when he was the biggest guy on the floor, he just never seemed that comfortable, like no, kind of knowing like 
how to just sort of like protect the rim in like a traditional center style of, of, of playing. And again, that can mean different things. Um, but you know, it makes sense because that's, he didn't grow up as a big man, as a center type guy. Um, and so it's just, it's just kind of different now the, the way he's having to play. And yeah, you see it there. Um, and I think probably the reason why he's only at like 76% is probably because they're, and I think justified, like they should probably be counting like the Thanasis minutes as Giannis playing power forward, just because Giannis, Thanasis is typically guarding the center right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just kind of see it like he's, he's just having to play differently and, you know, I, I think if you're going to take something positive from, you know, this stretch of Giannis having to play center, I think it is just the fact that, I mean, there, there are things that there are lineups and rotations that are obviously happening now, which you would never expect them to have to do in the playoffs. But Giannis having to play as the, as the biggest guy on the floor, as a center, having to play, you know, different styles of defense um, and protecting the rim. I mean, that, that I think you could say is, I mean, these are probably some valuable reps in doing that because, He's got to be getting pretty close. I think Justin mentioned this too, but I mean, he's, he's got to be getting very close to his total number of possessions that he had at center all of last season um, already, you know, just because as we showed, he just didn't have that many possessions last year. So, um, so yeah, I don't know that, you know, Giannis is a, as you said, like, I don't think Giannis is, is suddenly Brooke Lopez or something like that. You know, Brooke is longer. He's also stronger and just is, I think, more used to playing as a, as a traditional sort of rim protector. But again, I mean, this is what makes Giannis so special is that, you know, he can be that chameleon defensively who can just do different things and you can put him in different places, play and play them, play different styles of defense and he can kind of fit in and do whatever you need. So just for those that are listening on the podcast platform, so I just pulled up those numbers from cleaning the glass. So as sort of Frank reference, so last year he was, and this is again is what they're counting as minutes at the five. So it's it, yeah, it, it is probably high. I mean, they've certainly played a higher percentage of small ball lineups because that's pretty much all they've got the ability to do right now. But cleaning the glasses got it from twelve percent last year minutes at the center. Uh, this year so far, it's up at seventy six percent. So a wild swing, and it wouldn't be anywhere near that if Brook Lopez was playing. But that's the situation they find themselves in. Uh, you tweeted something interesting about Jordan War, and I, I just thought this was pregame and I just thought it was an interesting conversation. I feel like we haven't spoke about Jordan for a while. So I want to get to that, but you have, do you still have this candy uh, the pumpkin tin? Yeah. This is my, my daughter uh, went around on Sunday and uh, I was, I was literally watching the jazz game on my phone while we were walking around. I mean, I was not the only, <laughs> to be clear, there were a bunch of us. There was me, my wife, my sister-in-law, my wife's aunt and my, um, all with us and it was my daughter who's three dressed up as Minnie Mouse and uh, her cousin who's four uh, dressed up as Batman and they went around house to house in Houston uh, collecting candy. They got a pretty damn good haul. I mean, like full-size Snickers bar, that's a good haul. Full-size bag of peanut M&Ms, that's a, that's a pretty good haul. Um, so, so yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good haul, but I feel like, um, I don't know if this is where you were going to go with it, Kane, but I mean, I feel like, you know, if you're talking trick or treat, game one, Nets, Jordan Wara, that was a treat. Jordan Wara, since the Nets game, a whole lot of trick, not a whole lot of production. And uh, tonight, I think he was much closer to uh, that full-size Snickers bar that I'm holding up for those listening on the podcast. Mm. Um, as he, I thought, had a nice bounce back game. Because, yeah, I mean, the, the, the stats I looked up, like, since that Nets game, 
31% from the floor. Frank, hang on a second, hang on a second. Come back to the stats because I want to tell you that's not where I was going with this. What I was going with that is in Australia, we don't really we don't really celebrate Halloween. But I always hear people talk about it and they're always like, well, you know the house in the neighborhood that has the, the good treats. Everyone knows as you grow up, you, you figure out which house to have. And, and it got me thinking that no doubt across America, people celebrating Halloween, the kids would have had it so they would have had a source. They would have had it figured out. They would have known which houses have the built bars because, uh, you know, any anytime you, you're trick-or-treating, if you can go to a house that has the best-tasting protein bar that's ever been made, think about that. The best-tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Now, that is uh, one kind of treat. So uh, with built bar, we know. <laughs> oh, oh, look, I, look I, I tell you what. I was talking about Halloween. I got, I got my holidays mixed up, but I also love Thanksgiving. All of the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert. But isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So picture it now. You're around the table. I love Thanksgiving. We don't celebrate it in Australia anyway, but when I've been in America, I've absolutely loved it. You sit around the table, you've had your turkey. And then out comes the built bars. It's not the pie, but out come these delicious built bars. You've never had a better Thanksgiving in your life. So to to cash in on this and make sure your family's got this down pat, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at uh, built.com. Oh, man, I went too early. I got my holidays mixed up, but it doesn't really matter. It all ties together. It, it took me a while before I realized you were like reading ad copy there. I was like, man, he's really just jumping into this thanksgiving theme here and then i was like oh no wait this this this, oh, this doesn't feel quite quite organic who's to say who's to say that i was reading <laughs> who's to say who's to say i was reading ad copy but by the way baseball's done now as we're tweeting this uh again the brewers would they whoever the brewers lose to in the playoffs yeah in the postseason they go on to win the world series yeah, but sure. so next year keep that in mind when you go to betonline.ag. But for now, it's the best spot for basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It's BetOnline where the game starts. Uh, Frank, go ahead with your total waste. Wait, wait, one, one, let me defend myself here for a moment too. Okay. You made it sound like, because I listened to the podcast when I'm not on it. You made it sound like I blew you off on Sunday because I was watching baseball. I did. I was clear. To be clear, I had a full night of trick or treating with little kids. I got, I got, you know, some grief. I got called out for watching basketball while i was walking around the neighborhood watching you know with with these kids right so i I took some i took some heat for that and uh and then i was ready to podcast just late but you know i'm i'm watching the baseball game with my in-laws or they're from houston so they're astros fans um you know hey you were i was i was willing to go but you had to go earlier and you know there's various reasons for that but man you know I'm 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 the male normally when it comes to post game pods, right? I mean, I was ready to go even even after two straight losses, I was ready to go. I was ready to workshop that. So I'm not the, people shouldn't mistake it. I'm not I'm not showing up just because they happen to win a game in Detroit. I just want I just wanted to make that clear. 
I took a I took a calculated risk that with uh, spending some family time and also uh, the holiday on that you wouldn't listen to the podcast. Sometimes you do that as a host. This one didn't pay off, and I should always know. I should always know that Frank is always listening. Now I will say this: we share this streaming service. Our friend uh, from Locked On Braves is about to jump on, so we'll wrap this up quickly. But that Jordan Wara, let's get to it because it's been an interesting situation for him that all season we've been talking about. What else can he do? Defense. Uh, passing the ball, making the extra pass. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, none of the guys that we want him to fit in with in lineups to become a rotation player out on the floor, hey, maybe we need you to score some more. Tonight he did. He scored 16 points, which probably had to feel good for him because he's he's had a off week or two, depending on how harsh you want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been like since, since game one, basically, it's been tough. And it's kind of funny. I think um, it's, it's funny how that game has... It, it, for for very good reasons has shaped a lot of the I think national perception of the Bucks right they had the very emphatic opening night win while they were at full health against the Nets and that's the last time we've really seen kind of the real Bucks play so I think the good news is like you know that that to me is still like the most meaningful game in a lot of respects because it's the only time we've really seen them at full health but I think Jordan Moore from an individual perspective you know the shine of that game I think has sort of maybe carried sort of perception of him a little bit and the fact that you know as we said like i think his defensive effort you know again he's still making mistakes defensively here and there for sure but i think his effort level has been good defensively and his decision making you know passing um has been certainly a lot better i mean it, it seems like he's really working to to do what he needs to to, to happen to to be a rotation player in the nba but you know as we're saying i mean if you're not making shots and 31 percent from overall and 26 percent on threes it's not working for a guy whose bread and butter is, is putting the ball in the hole. So to see him tonight, he got that dunk early. I think that was actually his first dunk of this. I think it was his first dunk. Was nice. Yeah. Nice drive and dunk from the half court looked, you know, pretty bouncy. Um, so for him to kind of get that early dunk and then uh, I don't know if it was, I think it may have been his first three, that three he hit in the second half. And obviously the game's out of reach at this point. So it's not like, you know, they desperately needed his scoring to, you know, to win this game, but he, he got a very friendly roll um, on a, you know, rim bounce off backboard, a couple more bounces settled in for a three. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, like that, that, that's just the kind of shot maybe you need to see go down for yourself, get a little bit of luck when, when the ball's just not going in. So for him to put up 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, a plus 12 in 24 minutes um, was just nice to see. And, and again, like we talked about on opening night, even when he plays well, you know, tonight, 13 shots for 16 points, 7 out of 13, that's good. It doesn't mean you get to the free throw line, um, and he takes, obviously, a lot of difficult shots. So that's kind of one of those things that you worry about a little bit, right, is, is, is efficiency ever going to be as high as you kind of ideally would want it to be, just given the shot profile he takes and the, and the fact that he doesn't get to the line a lot? You know, we'll, we'll obviously monitor it, but in a game like tonight, and again, competition level not obviously super high, but I think it's important for him, especially with Chris Milton being out, I mean, you just need somebody to make shots. And tonight, you know, Jordan was very good. Um, Pat Connaughton bounced back in a big way, 16 points on eight shots, four out of five from three. He was ripping the nets in that first half when, you know, they were able to get that separation. And, um, you know, Bobby Portis is taking a lot of shots <laughs> as he did on Sunday, 12 points uh, on 13 shots. Not great. Uh, eight rebounds, uh, a block plus 11 in 22 minutes. Did hit one out of two from three. Um, so again, a lot of it, I think a lot of it's just a matter of kind of him easing, easing the rotation. So, you know, again, it's just like, you just need, you just need some people to make some shots. Right. And 
you know, look at some of the role players, the Nasus, nine points, four out of four. Hey, thanks, the Nasus. Good. Like, you know, a couple steals, eight rebounds. Like, good, right? Had some nice uh, connection with Giannis. And your guy, your favorite guy, uh, Justin Robinson, 11 points on seven shots as well. Um, seems to have gotten the memo that when Giannis passes you the ball, just shoot it immediately. Uh, he had, ended up hitting some threes tonight as well. So, hmm. you know, anytime, anytime you get those, those role players hitting shots, I mean, that's how you hit 17 out of 37 from three, which, you know, the Bucks desperately needed after some hard, hard luck shooting the last few games. Mm, pretty good uh, night for Justin Robertson. He also got a pretty sharp reminder that uh, stay out of the way when Giannis is trying to make a pass right before halftime there. I think he got it right in the face. Uh, he was trying to look. I think he was doing it. From really close range. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was Harden-esque almost. He was closer than Harden, actually. He he was trying to just do that little, like, shovel flick pass out to Jordan War at the wing for the uh, – for the buzzer beating three, Justin Robertson got it. Giannis put his arm around him and said, you know, when I'm trying to get out of the way, but you know, whatever he said to him, I don't know what Giannis would have said to him. Basically, the gist of the message would have been get out of the way. Uh, you forgot one guy, though. Shemi Ojale is on the board. Four points. Still no three, though. No three. But He only took one, at least. He only took one, at least. He only took one. He was feeling a little bit shy tonight. Funnily enough, tonight was probably the night that he could have let it rip, but uh, he didn't. We're still waiting that first three from Shemi Ojale. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's good to see him out there getting some minutes. Tough night for him, I would say. He was one of the rare guys that you would say it was a tough night for Shemi Ojale. But we'll see. He's still trying to find his feet. As always, I remind you guys, before we wrap this up, make sure you check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with Josh Lloyd, who does a, a fantastic job over there. And like I mentioned on yesterday's pod, if you've got Bucks players in your fantasy team, you don't know what to do with them, Josh will tell you. I mean, here on Lockdown Bucks, we're keeping them. We're keeping them all. But Josh might tell you to get rid of some of them. He might be have a little bit of concern because uh, if you if you drafted some of those guys uh, high in your draft, that's uh, tough times for you. But uh, one one last thing before we wrap this up, Frank. Not only has the Bucks on court personnel suffered a, uh, a lots of of change in personnel, so is the broadcast team. But I wanted to shout out Melanie Ricks tonight for. Uh, making her debut on the sidelines. Um, anyone that's been to Bucks games will definitely know Mally and definitely know her voice. It was a little bit interesting to see her on the TV, not just absolutely hyping up. And, and you know, she had Thanasis at the halftime interview. She could have gone back to her normal role and just got Thanasis hyped up for halftime, but uh, very professional, fantastic job. Lisa's obviously there, Dave Kane's there, uh, Stephen Bardo's there as well. So, you know, we're just... It's, it's just... There's absences left, right, and center, Frank. I, I don't know what's going on. That's a good point. I hadn't really even thought about that. But yeah, even the, uh, the even the broadcast team is uh, <laughs> is is having to manage through uh, you know next next woman slash man up type, type situation. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, it's normally I like to you know get to the next game, win or lose. Uh, but as I said, you know, last time we spoke. Um, Tuesday game out of the way. I'm I'm very happy to have a couple of days off here before they welcome the Knicks into town on Friday. Which um, hopefully Drew's back. Yeah, I, you really hope Drew Holiday's back, and you know at least if you got Drew back, then I think you feel like you have more of a puncher's chance against you know or you know, legitimate chance against better teams. You don't just need a bunch of shooting luck, which you know tonight they got. Let's be honest, they got a lot of shooting luck. They're obviously a better team than the Pistons, probably regardless. As long as Giannis is you know carted out there and, and on the floor they should they should beat the pistons but um but yeah obviously i think the, the knicks are going to be certainly a, a better test on friday and 
Um, you know, I don't obviously think we have any illusion that, that Chris Middleton's going to be there, but um, and and it doesn't seem like Brooks close either. But hopefully, hopefully get your holiday back. Obviously, Bobby Bobby Portis revenge game question mark. Um, and uh, you know, we always used to joke. I think it dates back to um, Jody Meeks, 2009 second round draft pick Jody Meeks. I think uh, Steve Von Horn had a joke on the original iteration of the uh, the Bruhu podcast about how he had uh, some doves he wanted to release uh, when when Jody Meeks hit his first three pointer and all the all the uh, doves died because it you know took months for <laughs> uh, for it to happen. Um, still waiting to release the doves for Shemi Oshley's first three point basket, but it's only been three games. You know, so uh, so hopefully he will uh, get off the schneid here here pretty soon. Hopefully uh, on Friday we will see Jimmy Ojeley hit his first three point basket because uh, yeah they're gonna they're gonna need people other than Giannis to make some shots. So back to five hundred. Uh, a couple of days off before they play the Knicks. The Knicks have been a pretty entertaining team. So this should be a fun game. It's on national TV. So again, hopefully uh, there are some bodies back for that uh, game on friday night uh, coming up on the next couple of days in the show we've got seth part now coming on one of these days trying to lock down a time with him obviously uh, he's a much smarter basketball person than me and he's also got his book coming out mid-range theory here in the next couple next couple of weeks or next couple of days i think it's november 16th so anyway he'll be able to tell you that so we'll have seth on here and then we'll preview bucks and nicks as well so thanks to everyone for listening and subscribing and all those good things and we will be back tomorrow